welcome to the Zenov podcast series on hyper intelligent automation or HIA. HIA is a technology born from the confluence of AI and RPA evolving from a conventional automation tool to a strategic enterprise game changer. In this series, we bring to you our conversations with leading automation gurus and industry mavericks on how they are defining new possibilities and business outcomes through automation. Hi everyone. I am Praveen Badada, your host for today, and welcome to another episode of the Zenov Podcast, Hyper Intelligent Automation Series. This is part two of our podcast with Chris Huff, Chief Strategy Officer at Cofax. In part one, Chris talked about his journey from being a Marine Corps to a management consultant to now being a CSO. He shared several interesting insights on what defined his journey as a leader and his key principles. that have helped shape his leadership style he also talked about the importance of mentorship and how it is changing in the new normal in this episode we will delve deeper into chris's current role at cofax the challenges and his key business philosophies with that let me welcome you back chris hey praveen thanks for having me so chris let's dive right in A CSO role is often considered to represent the perfect balance between planning, execution, evangelization, communication and many such things that are needed, right? So to to really put this in context of the of the software company that you're part of which is obviously has a heritage but is also trying to gain leadership in the automation market which is obviously super competitive, what are some of the key challenges you face in your role today which is very different from what you've done in the past and what's been your approach or the system that you've put in place to be able to navigate some of those challenges i think it'll be good for a lot of leaders who are listening to this conversation to to get inspiration from you my primary challenge there are so many <laughs> i am only comfortable when i'm uncomfortable and so if i ever find myself comfortable then i don't feel like i'm growing both as a person uh professionally and personally i would say like my my primary challenge that i honestly struggle with on a daily basis is the balance between setting up the chessboard and playing the chess game and i think especially in today's environment where it's all about business speed strategy offices are also leading cross functional working groups and so there is a level of playing the chess game that's needed so rolling your sleeves up and so it's properly sort of flexing between the the strategic level the operational level and sometimes the tactical level And while imperfect, I think I do have a pretty simple method. And that method is to really just surround myself with a diverse set of team-oriented people that complement my weaknesses and give them the autonomy to exercise their mental muscles and achieve greatness. Essentially, I've got three top sort of qualities that I look for when surrounding myself. And the first is and it's very very simple, but they need to be easy to work with and respectful of relationships. That's the first thing. Second one is that they need to have an entrepreneurial spirit because those type of people really tend to just take extreme initiative and exercise good judgment. Just like, you know, Jobs has said, you don't hire smart people and tell them what to do. You hire smart people for them to tell you what to do. Well, I think part of that is those people need to have that entrepreneurial spirit to then have the courage to tell you sort of what you need to do. And then lastly, I would put the technical proficiency, which I think sometimes we make a mistake in in hiring, and we put technical proficiency as the first thing, meaning that we hire based on resumes and not based on potential. I try to flip that. I hire based on potential, 
not necessarily based on resume past successes. So if that's the process, then it becomes like, how do you action it? And, and I think it all starts with networking. And I think constantly putting myself out there in these uncomfortable new situations to meet people that I otherwise would not have met if I stayed in my shell. That's how I create opportunities to both bring people in and for me to get pulled into you know, other networks. And I think that's how I try to manage and balance to the right level where I'm impactful to corporate strategy while also sort of remaining influential to the day-to-day operations. That's awesome. I think uh, you put it really well. I think the three traits of respect, entrepreneurship, and some degree of technology bent, not from a previous success standpoint, but from a potential standpoint, I think I think are definitely interesting. But how do you bring these three attributes together in the automation world, where do we expect the industry to move from here? You know, what kind of new jobs are going to evolve in this industry? How do you plan for the hyperscale that this industry is going to achieve over the next uh, few years? I think, and again, I'm big on, and I think everybody that works around you know, sort of the strategy sphere has to be big on is reading tea leaves because nobody just comes to you and say, hey, here's what's going to happen in the next five years. Go ahead and plan around it. And so you have to be able to just consume a lot of data points, understand macro trends, understand your industry, and then start to craft or design uh, a way forward and then clearly articulate that uh, across your business. I suspect that the automation industry will do what technology has always done and that will it will converge value pools. And the great thing about convergence of technology is that it resets the playing field by creating these leapfrog opportunities for both societies and industries to do. And we've done this at Cofax. Over the last 10 years, uh, we've made a series of automation acquisitions, including RPA, robotic process automation, BPM, business process management, analytics, electronic signature, and many others. And in 2018, based on sort of reading the tea leaves of the market, which was, again, convergence of technologies, and to provide this more seamless experience Um, that was focused less on technology, more on the experience and outcomes. We made the decision to shift from being the siloed um, product-oriented company into this ecosystem and platform-oriented company. And that's what we go to market with now. And Praveen, I believe that Zenobe, you guys call this hyper-intelligent automation. So I think we were reading sort of the very similar tea leaves and coming up with the same general approach. We called it something slightly different. But nevertheless, I believe like this is the next wave of productivity within on a, on a global scale wave of productivity. And then within the technology industry, you start to see a rallying cry around low code democratization. I think this whole low code democratization is intended to scale automation and AI. The AI is is a bridge that's still being built, but nevertheless, I think we've experienced a lot of success largely due to robotic process automation, really globally upskilling the the workforce. You now have financial management analysts that now they they no longer have a CVR resume that just says, I'm a financial management analyst doing accounts payable. They now are financial managers slash bot managers. And so now they are actually managing this digital workforce where you have humans and you have automation that are performing these financial management operations. And that's significant because on an individual basis now, they have been upskilled tremendously, giving them greater upward mobility, but also driving more value for their respective organizations. And so I think this total cost of ownership, which is what this convergence does, reduces the total cost of ownership and the improved customer experience 
is going to enable greater business speed, agility, and resiliency, which are the three sort of keywords right now that everybody is saying, but not everybody knows how to achieve. And I think the primary way that they are going to achieve it, they being the various industries and the companies within the industries, are by focusing on upskilling their workforce and adopting these low-code, hyper-intelligent automation, these integrated platforms that allow this upskilled workforce to be able to deploy solutions very, very rapidly to address these complex use cases. And I think companies that are able to analyze data faster than they are ingesting the data will win out at the end of the day. And I think those two dynamics, one internal, their workforce, two external, making the right investments in the technology are going to enable them to reach that win out philosophy. So Chris, if you were to ever build another company from scratch, what would you prioritize? Will it be customer experience, employee experience, or technology? How would you stack rank three as you think of building the organizations of the future? Yeah, this is a phenomenal question because I think what you see now are some of the more experienced, those that have been around a while, companies are really struggling because you have these new entrants, the fintech type companies coming in and with no global footprint other than understanding what the customers really want and then leveraging technology, largely automation and AI to deliver against those required experiences, they're able to have greater impact and they're able to have greater reach than these companies that have been around for decades. And so this is rethinking how Warren Buffett calls it moats, right? Business moats. Business moats used to be based on longevity. I've been in this industry forever. I know these customers. I have an existing product line and service line, and they're going to consume it. That's longevity is no longer sort of the primary driver of a business mode. I think understanding the customer uh, journey and delivering personalized experiences is the new business mode. Those that can deliver the most robust and delightful personalized experiences for their customers that may or may not require a product, maybe a product and service, maybe a service only. Those companies will win out at the end of the day. They are the ones that will develop more digital IP, intellectual property that will allow them to sort of cordon off and protect the personalized experiences that they've developed. So if I were building a business today, I would start from the customer experience or an outward in perspective with the customer experience and then pull that into what are the products that I need to be able to deliver that. Perfect. Perfect. Chris, now a fun question, right? Hypothetically speaking, if you had all the power in the world to you know, kind of build one thing, buy one thing or borrow one thing, what would that be? Build, buy, and borrow. Well, if I were to build something today, I think I would want to build something around the ESG, so environmental, societal, and governance. I think that is the big push now. It is why the Business Roundtable has expanded their definition of why organizations exist. And it's no longer just to deliver to shareholders, it's to deliver to all stakeholders. And stakeholders are no longer just shareholders. Stakeholders are the global community. Stakeholders are the employees. They are the customers. And I think that's a really, really important sort of driving force. And again, those companies that went out in the future will be focused more on the right investments around ESG and not necessarily just trying to drive top line growth and bottom line profitability. I think top line growth and bottom line profitability almost become a byproduct now as making 
of making sure that you're a good global citizen. And so if I were to build something, it would be predicated on that. If I were to buy something, I think there's a, there's a greater need right now around taking care of the environment. And so around that, I think you would be very responsible in what you would buy because a lot of what you buy today, I think, comes with some baggage. And I think you see just based on how culture has evolved, that baggage can sometimes serve as more of a headwind than a tailwind, even because you've typically through a buy done a lot of consolidation. Consolidation typically are within markets and industries where there are a lot of uh, legacy or heritage players. And I think with that heritage and legacy estate comes a lot of anchors that can slow down business and everything now is about business speed. So if I were to buy something today, I think I would likely pay a premium for that, unfortunately, but it is what it is, would pay a premium for it because it would come from a newer age technology or a newer age company that doesn't have as much baggage. So my buy would be something that would be leaner of an organization and would give me greater speed in the market. And Praveen, you had a third one there. What would you borrow? Oh, if I, oh, if I were to borrow, I'm borrowing a lot today. And I think that this is a, this is a big piece of what's making companies successful and almost gets to the business speed. But borrowing, I think is, so when we pivoted in 2018 at Kofax away from these siloed product solutions, point solutions into the platform, any platform worth its weight has to be part of a robust ecosystem. And that robust ecosystem means that you need to get savvy in how you work with what the market is traditionally perceived as maybe your competitors. And so I have borrowed a lot of capital, not in terms of financial capital, but in terms of intellectual property capital from our ecosystem partners, because there is a, there's a put and a take to an ecosystem in terms of what you get and what you give in it. And so like our and we've announced this just in the last two months, our alliances with, with Microsoft, with Coupa, with UiPath, with Automation Anywhere, each one of these relationships are set up so that we can borrow um, from what they do really, really well. And then they borrow likewise from us where we deliver a really robust experience to our customers. And so together, it's not one plus one equals two, but it's one plus one equals three. And I think that's how we're doing a lot of bartering now is through borrowing each other's IP with an understanding of rules of engagement, obviously. But I think that's where I would continue to borrow is through an ecosystem. I I love the response, Chris. I think sustainable growth is obviously a hot topic. So building there is absolutely makes a lot of sense. Buying for speed, again, a spot on answer. I think that's what's the need of the hour today. And then working with the extended ecosystem to build on each other's capabilities, a great area to borrow strengths and capabilities from. So, so, so it's it's a great, uh, great response. So before we sign up, one last question, Chris, any recommendations, right? Anything around a book or a cuisine or a place that you've gone to, any personal experience, any one recommendation that you want to give to our audience? Well, this is almost, Praveen, like you've almost sort of begged for me to respond in this way. And that is Sun Tzu. The, the, the book that I would, I would suggest that, and this is relevant for not just a military audience, but that is where I was first introduced to it. But I've been able to, again, parlay a lot of the learnings and the teachings from Sun Tzu through The Art of War is the name of the book. So The Art of War is a tremendous book that, that I've found. Again, it's the principles like respecting your competitors or your enemy. And I'm teaching my nine-year-old daughter this now when she's you know playing soccer, when she's playing basketball to not just look at the, the record and, and dismiss them and like, I don't need to prepare for, 
but know who was on the team, what plays they run, where they found successes, where they have weaknesses that can be exploited. Respecting your enemy, finding that the opportunities in chaos. I think that was an important thing that I was able to hopefully put into play here at Kofax throughout COVID. We called an immediate timeout at the end of March of last year. I was called back from international travel like so many other people. And if we were shutting down international travel, we were likely going to then fall into a global recession, which we inevitably did. And so we called that out the third week of March. We found an opportunity in the chaos, which was to call a strategic pause to our company, gather the EMT together, executive management team together, and initiate what we call Project Moonshot, which was essentially we established six major initiatives in order to understand how we navigate that crisis and then position to win in the turn. So for growth. So I would say Sun Tzu's Art of War, it teaches you so many things. Um, there are obviously cliff notes on it for those that want to dip the toe in the water before you're committing to the full book. But I think that would help uh, a lot of people better understand how to deal with the current accelerated rate of change that we're all dealing with. Yeah, no, great suggestion. I'm, I'm going to definitely pick it up. Thank you so much, Chris. It was an absolute delight talking to you. I hope our listeners enjoyed this episode as much as I did. So much to learn from your leadership style and philosophies, especially how you constantly seek discomfort to be able to grow and succeed. I certainly learned a lot today from you. And thank you once again, Chris, uh, and the audience for tuning in to this episode of the Zinov Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hyper Intelligent Automation Series. Stay tuned for more such interesting episodes. You can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. To get more insights on how you can make your automation strategy count, connect with us at infoatzinov.com or visit our website www.zinov.com. Follow us on LinkedIn at Zinov for regular updates on our content. Thank you again for listening to the Zenov podcast. Music